0: Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologist Dr. Layla Den Osman, Dr. Mary Simri McDonald and Dr. Jennifer Vrend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. Hi everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of The Coping Toolbox. I'm Dr. Jennifer Vrend, and today I'll be joined by Dr. Penny Corkum. We'll be talking about sleep, sleep problems, and sleep interventions in children. Dr. Corkum is a professor and registered psychologist in the Department of Psychology and Neuroscience at Dalhousie University. She's cross-appointed in psychiatry and is on scientific staff at IWK Health Centre. In addition to her academic appointments, she's the director of the Colchester East Hance ADHD Clinic. Dr. Corkum conducts clinical research in the areas of neurodevelopmental disorders, particularly ADHD and pediatric sleep. One of her research areas is aimed at the intervention of pediatric sleep problems. Over the last decade, Dr. Corkum has been leading the development, evaluation, and sustainability of e-health, e-learning, and app programs to support sleep health in children. She's the principal investigator for the Better Nights, Better Days Pan-Canadian team. I'm very excited to have Dr. Corkum here today because she was my supervisor for my PhD thesis where we examine the effects of sleep restriction on daytime functioning in children. As you'll see today, Dr. Corkum has an incredible enthusiasm and passion for helping children and their families manage sleep problems. So welcome to the Coping Toolbox, Dr. Corkum.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here.
0: So I thought we'd start today maybe by having you just tell us a little bit about why sleep is so important in children.
1: That's a big question I think <laughs> but uh, you know what you do at night um, how well you sleep really can affect how You know, your day, right? So um, they're intricately related, your night and your day. So if you have a good night, you have a good day. So, um, you know, not only in terms of feeling rested, but also in terms of your learning ability, your social ability, your behavior, your ability to regulate your emotions. So sleep really has such a big impact on how we function during the daytime. And that's for all ages. But I think uh, for children, it's particularly important because they're learning, they're in schools. They have to be able to regulate those emotions and their behavior in order to do well. So, I think having children sleep well is, uh, you know, really critical.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, we'll talk probably more about this, but uh, one of the things, kind of the themes I think of your work is that it's, it's really, it, it can be a family problem, right? So if kids aren't sleeping well, then usually the parents aren't sleeping well and sort of some of the issues, the the daytime functioning challenges that the kids are having and, and the symptoms that come out of sleep deprivation also are happening in the parents. So just kind of seeing it as a, as a family issue, right?
1: Yeah. So it's 24 hour issue and it's a, uh... Mm-hmm. a whole family issue. So definitely, uh, you know, sleepy children result in sleepy parents and, you know, cranky children can result in cranky parents. Cranky parents.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I think most of us have probably been there at some point too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't <laughs> think it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty common.
0: <laughs> so um, speaking of that, I'm just kind of curious about um, just what sort of developmental changes um, in children's sleep, we should expect. And if you can speak about maybe some of the things, you know, particularly as you know, maybe first-time parents, and you know, what sort of things should we be expecting, and what's normal and and maybe not so normal in children's sleep?
1: That's that's a big question as well. Um, you know, I think I think it's probably you know, sleep comes easy for some children and more challenging for other children. So I think it's pretty normal for parents. Uh, to, you know, worry a little bit about their children's sleep, to wonder how to help their children sleep. Um, there are changes across the lifespan in sleep. So um, you may feel like you've sort of mastered, uh, you know, helping your child sleep at one stage, and then uh, a new stage hits, and and there may be some concerns again. Um, you may also, um, yeah, just, just, things could happen that could change your child's sleep. So, you know, maybe they get sick um, and then they were a good sleeper and they've become, you know, ill with a flu or what have you, and then their sleeping goes off or they're teething. So sleep can be, you know, for some children, pretty challenging. Um, You know, I, I think really the best thing to look at is daytime functioning Is your child waking up, feeling rested. Are they going through the day, you know, looking rested, uh, being happy, you know, being able to be alert and attentive. And so, you know, we kind of look to the day to see how Mm -hmm. are they doing. And that helps us understand their night. So, you know, there's also variability with how much sleep a child may need. So, you know, people ask me, well, you know, say my child's 10 years old, do they need, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 11, nine, eight, how many hours of sleep? Well, it really depends depends on that child. So there's a lot of individual variability. And we have to look to the daytime to, to get a sense. Now, there are probably limits, like we would say that, you know, for a 10 year old child, you know, seven hours is not enough, eight is probably not enough. But nine, 10, 11 are probably good, depending on the child. So, um, you know, if your child sleeps nine hours and seems well rested during the day is functioning well, then that's, that's okay. Um, but if they're not, they may need a little bit more sleep
0: right right that was i was actually going to ask about that cuz that's a question i get often in my practice is how much sleep does my child need but i think that's a really great response is it really you know you look at their daytime functioning right? Mm -hmm. And do they look sleepy? Do they look tired? And I know, um, you've done work on this as well. But some of the symptoms of ADHD can actually be related to not getting enough sleep, right? So just kind of paying attention, how are they functioning during the day? Um, And then even, you know, for some, like, are you able to get them out of bed? Um, Are they able to like, are they having trouble falling asleep at night, things like that, right? So kind of looking at both ends.
1: Yeah, and it can be a little complicated, because there can be Lots of reasons for all of those behaviors, right? So a child may not want to get out of bed because they have learning problems and they don't enjoy school, but on the weekends, maybe they get out of bed really easily with the same amount of sleep. So you kind of have to think about all these uh, kind of more subtle uh, behaviors, but I think generally we want to look at the daytime and see how they're functioning, Um, and then that will help us understand if they're getting enough sleep.
0: Right, right. Okay. what's uh, What sort of problems are common for children to have? Um, so I, I'm not sure if you know, but we did a, a, an episode already on more of the teen sleep. Um, and mm-hmm. we know they kind of, you know, it, it, they have more trouble falling asleep at night and trouble getting up in the morning and they have that delay in their sleep. Um, but what about uh, in younger children? What sort of things do you see uh, as uh, presenting problems?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they always look tired tired. So, you know, if we're looking for that, we may miss it because um, I think you can mask your tiredness by engaging in certain behaviors. So I often think, you know, as an adult, if I'm tired, I drink some coffee and Mm -hmm. that kind of alerts me and then I don't feel so tired. But, you know, a a seven-year-old child is not going to drink coffee. So what are they going to do? Well, if I can't have coffee, I'm going to probably jiggle my foot a little bit or move a little bit. Keep me, you know, wake me up a bit. And so that's what we'll see in kids sometimes is they may not look tired. They may look actually a little overactive, right? (laughs) Right. Or or less attentive. So we have to look at those subtle signs, um, you know, that may maybe not what we think. So we might be thinking of the child who's like sleeping on their desk, but that, you know, yes, that child's tired, but the child who's, you know, moving around may also be tired. Um, so definitely, it can affect our kind of activity level, it can affect our attention. Um, it can, uh, attention, like, focus but also just gaps in attention Mm -hmm. um so you know they may look like they're attentive but they may be missing uh, pieces of information because they're tired um emotional dysregulation so having a hard time uh, regulating your emotions or being irritable and and a little more um, variable in your emotions can be a a, a kind of outcome of poor sleep Uh, and by poor sleep i mean not only like short sleep but also poor quality sleep. So I think you can have poor sleep for a couple reasons. One is you don't sleep long enough. But another reason is that you may wake up a lot during the night, so you don't get good quality sleep. So we have to look at both of those. Um, But back to kind of the consequences of poor sleep. Um, So emotional dysregulation, even learning can be affected by sleep. So children who don't sleep as well, don't learn as well in the classroom and social activities, so they don't get along with their peers as much, maybe because they have a hard time regulating their emotions and their behavior. uh, But there are more social difficulties. So it really is quite a pervasive um, impact on the child. And that can have, you know, impact on the kind of the systems or the places the child uh, lives and works and plays, right? So uh, a sleepy child can make a, a home more difficult, you know, if they're irritable and their behavior and emotions are dysregulated. Same within the classroom and same within their peer group. So it really can have a, quite a pervasive effect.
0: Right, right. Um, I'm just kind of curious about um, with, with COVID and all of the uh, effects COVID has had on all of us. How how do you think covid has affected sleep in kids?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um we've done some research about this and uh I it's interesting interesting results. So for some children it's actually made sleep better because they can uh you know, maybe they don't have to get up so, so early to catch a bus to go to school. I mean, we know some of the kids who live in rural areas might get up very early and spend a long time to get to school. Um you know, so so, maybe they're getting more sleep, and um, that's good. We also have found, though, that even kids who are getting more sleep during COVID, it, you know, and that's I'm talking about when the schools weren't, you know, when they were homeschooled and that sort of thing, um, their sleep schedule has shifted a bit later. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have that bus to catch in the morning or to get to school in a certain time. And we also know, I talked about. the the amount of sleep is important, the quality of sleep is important, but also when you sleep is important. Mm. And so sleeping at off kind of a good schedule can actually also cause daytime uh, difficulties. So so while they may be sleeping as much or even a little more, it might be at the wrong time. Um, So there's a small group of kids who are sleeping more, but maybe at the wrong time. And then there's a group of kids that hasn't changed their sleep. But then for about 40% of the kids that we, we uh, included in our research that actually had made their sleep shorter and h- less good quality sleep. And what we found the main predictors of that was more screen use, right. um, more uh, less routines and structure, and more anxiety. So these three uh, factors are really impacting a certain group of kids uh, sleep,
0: about 40% of the kids. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I guess that makes sense, too, that those would be affecting. Mm -hmm. And again, it's kind of those factors probably affect the family as a whole. Right. Like the routine and and the anxiety. And I know, like for me, a lot of the clients I see, I ask about not just the child's anxiety, but if they're feeling stress from their parents. Right. And absolutely. Again, it's the whole family. Yeah, and
1: that's actually a really good point because in this research study, what we found, while you know, forty percent of the children had worse sleep during COVID, sixty percent of the parents did, and so Mm -hmm. COVID was affecting the parents' sleep even more so than the children. And then we did um, uh, interviews with these parents, and what we really found was exactly what you're talking about: is this bi-directional or back and forth relationship between the parent and the child. So if the parent Mm -hmm. was anxious, you know that had an impact on the child, or if the child was anxious, that might impact the parent. And so really thinking of sleep, not just as a individual's problem, but really as a family affair, if you will, you know, it really (laughs) is everything the family's doing can really impact um, everybody's sleep.
0: Right, right. And so when we think about what, uh, what the actual sleep issues are, so You know, what, like, is it, what are you seeing a lot of, is it, is it things like, um, co-sleeping, like needing to sleep in the parents' bed, um, the parents wanting the child to sleep alone? Is it, you know, waking up too early? Is it waking up, you know, not being able to fall asleep at night? What are, what are the main issues that you see?
1: Yeah, I think you see all of those and it may differ from, uh, you know, different ages, um, you know one of the things that surprised me was just how much co-sleeping is still a problem even in older children so you mm-hmm. know we've often thought of co- co-sleeping as you know a challenge for uh, younger children uh, learning to sleep independently but when i started doing uh, research with school-age children i was shocked at how many uh, were still really needing and wanting to co-sleep and so so i think that's a big issue but I'd say the biggest issue that we see uh, in our research and it is more focused on like elementary school age children is difficulties, like bedtime resistance and difficulties falling asleep. So getting to bed, settling for the night and falling asleep in a pretty, you know, within like, say 20 minutes of going to bed. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of the kids were struggling, sometimes taking a couple hours, uh, you know, from the time they're supposed to go to bed to the time they're actually sleeping
0: yeah. And that you know, the parents that I've worked with too, it's, again, it's, 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 it's hard for the parents because then you're kind mm. of, you're on call and you want that time either to kind of do chores and get things organized for the morning or even to unwind, right? Oh, yeah, and relax that. a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what about interventions and, and treating some of these issues? Um, what are your thoughts about, so, I mean, I think I know your answer to this, but um, <laughs> what if we just leave it? We say, oh, you know, it's going to fix itself. Um, you know what are your thoughts about just kind of the wait and see approach versus versus intervention for these issues yeah
1: I, I, the wait and see i'm not a big fan of i think <laughs> i think you wait and you'll see that it just <laughs> continues and so that's probably not a good plan um yeah. you know we do know that there's pretty persistence with uh, sleep difficulties so if they're not treated they do persist across time so you know children with sleep problems end up being adolescents with sleep problems end up being adults with sleep problems and so you know i I don't think waiting and uh for it to change is a good idea um but what i would say is you know really using kind of starting with the least invasive or um yeah uh kind of the approach that's not going to have side effects you know so start with uh learning about sleep learning about what what makes for healthy sleep? And, and, you know, how do we structure our days and our routines to help children sleep better? How do we structure the bedroom? Uh, What should that look like? What's what's conducive to sleep? What's not conducive to sleep? So for example, um, having screens and you know, like TVs or computers and stuff in the child's bedroom, or using those even before bed can be really problematic. So doing those what we call healthy sleep practices first, and then you can also, if that doesn't work, you can get some support by people like yourself to help with some of the more behavioral strategies that we can use, like based on kind of behavioral therapy and cognitive therapy um, to help children sleep better. And I would say it's really important to, to do these types of strategies before moving to medication. And what we see a lot, um, which I think is really unfortunate, is that when parents reach out to healthcare providers, a, uh, you know, uh, say their family doctors or physicians about the child's sleep problems, that they're often prescribed medication without trying these other strategies first. But what we know by research is that these behavioral strategies and healthy sleep practices can actually solve most of the sleep problems. And so uh, what I really want to see change is that we try these first, Um, not to say that there isn't situations where, uh, you know, medication may be needed, but that would be quite um, rare And I think most uh, sleep problems can be treated with behavioral strategies and and just good, healthy sleep practices.
0: Yeah. And I think you make a good point, too. It's sort of like establishing these things early so that Mm -hmm. they're there later. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you just throw, you know, and, and like you say, there is a time and a place for medication. But if you just jump into the medication, you're not actually working on some of those behavioral strategies that you don't just need as a child. But you need as you get older, too. I always think about, you know, when we have babies and they're really young and we like the whole like we're very focused on having that routine before we put them to bed and it works so well. And then we kind of get out of it. But even as as an adult, we need those routines. It's just kind of setting our brain up, letting our brain know sleep is coming. Right. That's right. We can kind of establish those healthy behaviors, the better.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. if you haven't, you know, as a parent, it's often very hard to start this during adolescence, right? Like, oh, if yeah. you <laughs> haven't been, if you haven't been doing it prior to that, it can be quite challenging. So, you know, really, it starts, like you said, you know, setting those routines and structure uh, early on, and, and they have to be modified as the child gets older. Um, and definitely, the child has more input as they get older. Um mm-hmm. But we know even that adolescents whose parents are involved in helping them set their bedtime routines and structure and, uh, you know, bedtimes, they actually do sleep better. So even for adolescents, having some parent involvement is important.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how the I know you have the the better nights, better days, intervention <clears throat> strategies, and can you tell us a little bit about these these interventions and how this works?
1: Yeah, for sure. So this is a program we've been developing for a long time. It's a what we call an e-health program. So it's all delivered via the internet. And so you can access it on a computer or, or a smartphone or tablet or what have you. And it provides those, um, you know, first of all, sleep knowledge. So you can learn and know what is what's normal sleep? And I think you started with that question Mm -hmm. um, and and said, like, what, you know, how do we know when it's not normal? So a good example or what I like to use is that actually waking up during the night a few times is is normal. Mm
0: -hmm. What is
1: problematic is not being able to self-soothe back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes just learning about how sleep works that, you know, there's kind of two processes that help us sleep. One is sleep pressure, So the longer we're awake, the more tired we're going to be. But there's another uh, 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 factor, which is our circadian clock, which is, you know, kind of tells us when we're maximally tired. And we have to align these two to make us sleep. And, you know, sometimes so we think. You know, I, and I would—I fell—I—I I fell for this when I was a new mom. Um, I thought, you know, if I keep my child up long enough, like when they are a baby, like maybe he would sleep better. And but that's not the way it works because their circadian clock wasn't timed right. So we, so there's a lot of and it's it's so
0: it's so frustrating as a parent, it is. right? It's like <laughs> this should make sense, but it doesn't. <laughs> it does
1: because I mean I think the you know as we as we're up more, uh, you know, we're more tired, that is kind of common sense. But maybe we don't, most people don't know about the circadian clock that is kind of behind that, um, Mm. you know, that can really impact whether that actually works. So, so there's a lot we can learn about sleep. So in Better Night's Better Days, that's first what we do is we teach about sleep. And sometimes parents will say, you know what, I just, I thought my child should be able to sleep through the night not wake up at all and now that I know that those wakings are are normal I just needed to teach my child to like you know go back to sleep they're fine you know so sometimes just good information will help and then we move too, on sorry
0: to interrupt yeah no that's you all right wanna- it, it goes along with that anxiety too, right? As a parent, mm-hmm. and again, especially if it's, you know, if it's your first child and it's sort of that anxiety of, is there something wrong? Do I need to be worried? And so it's kind of, you're, you hear your child up in the night and your anxiety immediately mounts, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of, your child senses that and then you have trouble getting back to sleep too, right? So, like yeah. you say, even just knowing wake, wake ups during the night are, are totally normal mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be concerned or worried about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it does, you know, not everybody falls asleep within two minutes, some, some people take 20 minutes, and that's normal, right. Mm-hmm. And so I think learning good information's the first step. And that's what we teach in better nights, better days. And then the second um, step would be healthy sleep practices. So everything from, you know, building routines, and consistent bedtimes and wake times and, looking at the bedroom and how can we make it more conducive to sleep? Uh, for example, you know, is there light that's shining in? We don't want that, you know, so, you know, we want to get it to be a dark, cool, comfortable place where, um, really for sleeping it's not for having fun or for timeouts or anything like that we want it to be a relaxing place that's that's conducive to sleep and so we go through all of that and then if then the next step would be the behavioral strategies so um, we use a few different ones depending on the parent the fit with the family and you know you it's all great to recommend a strategy but if it doesn't work for the family then it's not going to work so you know i probably most people have heard about like a cry it out technique yeah most families don't want to do that <laughs> like it's yeah. too, it's too stressful and
0: it induces anxiety as well <laughs> yeah yeah so
1: and the worst part about that is that if if you cave and you go yep. and get your child when they're crying Then you've actually reinforced, basically what you've told your child, not in words, but in behavior is you need to cry a lot, but I will come and get you, right? Eventually
0: it will work. Eventually (laughs) it will work.
1: So they just learn to be really persistent with the crying. (laughs) So if if a family can't use a strategy, you really don't want to use, you know, you don't want to make a family use a strategy. So in Better Nights, Better Days, we try to get the parents to pick the strategies that they think, you know, would work best for their family. And then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of basically how, what they go through, and then they learn a little bit about other types of sleep problems, and what to do if all of this didn't work, you know, what it, you know, um, you know, where the next steps if, if you really tried these strategies, and they weren't effective. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and most, most families do really well with it. And, you know, the nice part about it is that you can access it Um you know whenever you want like you Mm -hmm. know and and wherever you want you don't have to go into an appointment or you know it doesn't have to be at three o'clock every day it can be when when works for you Mm -hmm. and right now we do actually have a a trial going on so and it's related to the cove to covet as you mentioned so we're recruiting families from across canada to use the intervention and we're looking at um you know whether kind of during this Crisis in this time of, of change. Uh, if families can use these strategies, and what might you know what might help them use them, and what might be hard for them uh, during COVID times. Um, so it's a great opportunity, people it's not a randomized control trial. So it's an implementation study. So that means everybody gets the intervention. So uh, you don't have to kind of be assigned to a waitlist group or anything like that. So and the neat thing that I think we did two things that we changed the intervention uh, for this context. One was that we added in some information about COVID and why it's important to um, sleep well during these stressful times and what might go wrong with sleep. Um, But I think more importantly, and more interestingly, we added in information for parents' sleep. Because I had told you earlier that Mm -hmm. we found so many parents were struggling with their sleep. So what we've done is we've layered in uh, information for parents. So when the parent is teaching the child a certain behavior, we talk about this is how you might do it for yourself. Because we really see it as a family uh thing you know if parents are sleeping better if they're working on their sleep and that's going to help the child so i think that's a nice addition to the program and we're looking yeah we're looking at how that might help families.
0: I love that. That's a, I mean, a theme that we've talked about a lot in our podcast is just that as a parent, modeling those healthy behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Because it's one thing to be telling your child this is what you need to do, but when they see you doing it, it's a whole different story, yeah, right? Absolutely. And then they, they start to do, even if they're pretending they they don't care what you're doing, and you know, and they're <laughs> saying it doesn't matter to me. You know that they are learning from that, right? And so yeah. they're going to be they're going to be responding to you, modeling those behaviors.
1: So yeah. And- I think a good example that we of that and what we often recommend is like the, you know, the cell phones, smartphones out of the bedroom, right? So if you had like, say, a charging station in the kitchen, and everybody puts their phone there before they go to bed, parents, kids, everybody, it's going to work a lot better than the parent laying in bed looking at their phone, and yeah. the child expect it not to, right? So it yeah. has to be a family, a family intervention, I
0: think. And, and that's hard, right? So that's as you're really saying hard. It, I'm thinking about <laughs> it, but it's, it's almost in some ways, it's like, okay, I'm I'm not just doing it for me. I'm also doing it for my child. Mm-hmm. And it in some ways, maybe it it benefits both, both ways, right? Where yeah. it's like, okay, as much as I don't want to put my phone down here in the charging station, it's good for me. And it's good for my kid. And I'm modeling those healthy behaviors. So.
1: Yeah, I think about, you know, I, I mean, probably many parents have ate carrots or have ate a vegetable they don't like, <laughs> just to model, you yeah. know, good, healthy eating habits, right. And so it's yeah. kind of the same thing, we, we, it's hard, it's hard, for sure. But, you know, yeah. we do it for them, but it's also going to help us. So yeah.
0: and we often have that resistance to change, right? So yeah, like, oh, that's not what I do. I don't want to do that. But then you start to do it. And you see, you start to see the benefits, right. And, you know, I've I've seen this in some of the teens that I work with, where they're like, I've limited social media, I've limited screen time. And I'm actually seeing the benefits Mm-hmm. um and and then you're sort of like okay it's it is worth it because i'm seeing the benefits right yeah
1: yeah and sometimes it has to be a major thing to make us do that right yeah. so i yeah. often think when here in nova scotia when we had um a, a big uh, i guess it was a hurricane and it knocked out the power for a week and prior to that I would have thought I was like a true night owl Um, but it turned out I was a night owl because I had access to light and to the computer and all of those things but when you know when it got dark at five o'clock and you were just sitting in the dark turns out I could actually fall asleep quite early
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go yeah so you know
1: sometimes you know, we have to try the strategies to really see the impact, right? And that could be hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm curious, just kind of thinking about our listeners right now. And if you can kind of think of maybe three things that are really important in terms of, you know, the helping their kids helping the family function, um, three things that are really important for families to work on. But uh, what would you say are kind of the, the, the things you think should be the focus?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So let's, I'm going to think about the literature. What do we know is probably has the biggest impact. So, you know, maybe might want to call it like a uh, low hanging fruit, right? Like what can you, yeah. what can you yes. do? That's going to make the biggest impact. Um, probably some of the biggest ones is remove screens from the bedroom and yeah. for the hour before bed. Right. So And there's, it's not just that these are exciting, you know, and you might, you know, to go to sleep, you need to be calm. And if you're playing a video game, you're going to be excited. So that's not conducive with sleep, but it also is that it emits light that, you know, our whole um, system, our biological system of falling asleep is based on melatonin release and it's not released when there's light. And so removing the screens out of the bedroom and probably like an hour before bed would be one of the biggest impacts we can have. I'd say second to that would be uh, having uh, good, consistent bedtimes and wake times. So it's not just, it's not just the bedtime it's the wake time that can be really critical. And I think lots of times parents set bedtimes, but they don't set wake times, but wake times allow our system to get regulated and also um, can keep our system kind of consistent. So I think really thinking about what is the wake time and making that consistent as possible between weekdays and weekends. And so uh, that could be a tough one, especially as children get older and have more social uh, you know life outside of the family home. It can be really difficult, but we do say to try to make that wake time and bedtime within a half hour, maybe an hour uh, difference between weekdays and weekends but if you think about it having variable schedules from weekdays to weekends is kind of like flying to yeah france and back every weekend right like, yep. yeah, you know like so
0: that, that jet lag you're gonna have is. jet lag on monday right yeah. Monday morning. yeah yeah
1: and we probably most of us can ex- can feel what that would feel like right so you know if i flew tonight to to Paris and stayed there for two days and came back, I'm going to have a hard time getting up and getting ready for work and functioning. And a lot of kids, that's what their that's what their Mondays are like, right? They stayed up really late all weekend. So I I think that consistent bedtime and wake time is really important. Um, And then I probably the third one for me, I would probably say having good routine, like, it doesn't have to be long, but it does have to be uh, uh, unwinding kind of routine to relax you. So you can't go to sleep if you're wound up or you're worried or you, you know, you just came from the gym and, yep. and you're yep. full of energy. So, you know, taking that half hour before bedtime and really moving towards dark, moving towards um You know, uh, more calmness is really important. Sometimes for some people, having some uh, actual relaxation activities uh, to help with that can be very useful. So I'd say those are the top three that we probably have the most evidence that those can make the biggest impact.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking that last one can be tricky, too, when your kids are in sports. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know for for my son, who's 12, that sometimes, you know, he's on the ice until nine at night. Um, which is getting really late, but I think. You know, even though like what we're trying to do is still have a bit of a routine before bed. So even though it's a bit later and his bedtime ends up being a little bit later, like you said, we're trying to keep the consistent bedtime, but we're still trying to do a bit of that routine and the routine might be shortened. But Mm -hmm. again, it's just that 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 wind down really helps just to like tell the brain, okay, it's time to sleep. Right. So that little routine, even if it's shortened, Mm -hmm. I think is is really important. So,
1: yeah. And I think unfortunately, lots of times kids get the worst uh, timing for (laughs) you know, ice time or whatever, access to some of the yep. uh, activities, right, and, and yep. uh, makes it really hard on them. But I think you're totally right about keeping the routine, maybe just shortening it a bit. Um, yeah. It's really important.
0: Yeah. Um, just uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else, uh, Dr. Corkum, is there anything else that, that maybe that we haven't covered today that you think would be helpful to share with families or, or anything else that, that you think we should cover before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, not to get uh, discouraged, like I think, you know, this is a behavior, this is something you can teach, but it does take, it does take time to teach a new skill. So think about when you taught your child to learn to walk or to, uh, you know, learn to feed themselves or dress themselves or brush their own teeth. I mean, all of these behaviors take time and energy, and, um, you know, it is going to take some time and energy and, and, but it's going to pay off in the end. And I think that's, that's a really critical point that the effort you put in upfront is probably going to have a payback uh, later on. So I think it's worth, worth the time and energy uh, to really work on your child's sleep. And then a more self-serving kind of uh, point would be just if people are interested in the Better Nice Better Days program, you could just, uh, it's just better, nice, better days all one word, uh, .ca. If you went there, um, there's a link that says COVID-19. You could follow that and it will tell you how, you know, more about the program and how you can participate if you're interested.
0: Okay. And we can probably, I think we can add a link to, to the uh, podcast episode. So people can click on the link Excellent. and find out more about yeah. that. Because uh, just like you, I'm all about helping people with the sleep issues because yeah. it affects every area of our lives. Right. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I really put it up there. You know, we talked a lot, like in the last 20, 30 years about, you know, what we eat and, you know, how much yeah. uh, activity we get during the day. And now I think we need to add in their sleep. And I think, you know, what's really exciting is Canada's real leader in yeah. in this, which I, I find really exciting that our participation guidelines are the first in, in the world to actually include sleep. So now, That's
0: fantastic, yeah,
1: so now we're talking, we are talking more about sleep. And we're understanding that, you know, it's, a, it's as important as activity or what we eat. So, so, you know, we pay attention to what we feed our children, we pay attention to our children getting good activity outside and and we have to pay attention to their sleep so
0: um
1: but they're all all work right but the payoff is the payoff can be high
0: excellent well uh thank you so much and and uh i know the work that you do is is so important and uh i'm glad that. uh Hopefully some families will be able to access it and uh you know I I really appreciate you chatting with us today and sharing your information. So thank you again uh for for joining us today Dr. Corkum and uh as always a big thank you to all of our listeners as well.
1: Thank you very much.